with all of these, you can still always walk away from a relationship if it's not working out for you. So those are things to remember, no matter what attachment style you are, if you're going into a relationship and you're in it for a certain period of time and you've, you know, you've acknowledged what faults you have in relationships but you also acknowledge what pros you have in relationships and you try to overcome those faults and it's not working, you can always, you know, you can always end the relationship, grow on your own for a little longer and then revisit either the same relationship or a new relationship with different eyes, you know? Hello everyone, welcome back to Taking On Your 20s. I'm your host Carla Nazaire and let's take on our 20s together. So first of all, I want to thank anybody who's listening. If you're listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google or wherever you get your podcasts from and you want to check it out in a video format, Taking On Your 20s is on YouTube. You can go ahead and watch the video. You can subscribe. It is at Taking On Your 20s. And also we have a podcast Instagram, Taking On Your 20s as well. So you can check us out there. This week's episode is going to take a shift a little bit. So like I mentioned in my first episode, I majored in psychology. I got my degree in psychology. I'm not a licensed psychologist or therapist I didn't get my master's in it or PhD but I did get my bachelor's in it so while doing that I definitely learned a lot of things that I'm like wow like this is really interesting to know this is very useful for me to know right now during this transitional period of my life and I feel like more people should know about it too so I have found that as We take on our 20s as we grow. We're finding ourselves in relationships and what we like and what we don't like. We're finding ourselves in our relationships with our friends, with our family. So during this episode, when I mentioned relationships, in some instances, it's romantic relationships, but in some instances, it's it's platonic relationships, like with friends or like relationships within your family. So we're going to get right into it. So I'm going to start this off by saying this episode is about attachment styles, how your personal experience in your childhood has shaped your attachment style now and how how it's portrayed as an adult. So for anyone who doesn't know, attachment styles are basically how you attach and interact with a romantic partner based off of the way your parents cared for you when you were a child. So a lot of it is a little Freudian. So like your childhood has a lot to do with your adulthood, but this isn't in like a sexual way, the way he makes it. It's just essentially like the way your parents showed you love and caring and affection or the lack thereof, how it influences what type of relationships you get in in the future. And 
identifying which attachment style you are can be very beneficial towards how to figure out whether you are in healthy relationships, if you're in toxic relationships, if you're aware you've been in toxic ones and are just like, I don't know why I keep getting myself in relationships like these. These are toxic. These are unhealthy. I don't like it. I don't like how it feels. I don't know what's wrong. Perhaps figuring out what type of attachment style you are and also what other ones are out there can help you identify, okay, I know I'm this. I want to work on it. Like I know these are the faults within this attachment style. So you can know to avoid certain characteristics about other people if you know that their characteristics will get you into like some sort of toxic or unhealthy pattern. So the attachment styles will affect how you perceive intimacy, how you perceive closeness within your relationship, and how you show those same things in return and how you reflect them back to your partner. It is a, it is also, it influences your ability to communicate your needs and your emotions within a relationship. So maybe if you, if you feel like you're a person who just will feel things, but just can't express them and you know, okay, I need to work on communication, but it's hard. I don't know why I can't communicate, why I feel uncomfortable doing it. Um, why I feel like nobody will listen to what I have to say. That is definitely hand in hand with your attachment style and probably how you were brought up and told to keep your emotions to yourself. Even if your parent didn't directly say to you, keep your emotions to yourself, their actions taught you at a very young age, I must keep my emotions to myself because if I show them, nobody's going to be there to comfort me and to make me feel better. So I'm better off just self-soothing and not letting anybody know what's wrong. So then down the line, when you're in a relationship, you tend to do the same thing, which then can cause problems because now you're holding in any issues, any emotions, you're not talking to your partner about it. And then maybe you start to harbor resentment and that can really ruin the relationships, especially if maybe they themselves have some sort of insecure attachment style as well, then you both are now doing the same negative thing and there's going to be no like reconciling within the relationship. You both are going to harbor this resentment and it can grow into something that's like toxic, but then you're like secretive about your resentment. It can be this toxic cycle of unhealthiness in the relationship. So let's get into what the different attachment styles are. So we have secure attachment, which as I talk about it is like the, in like a sense, it's like the most healthy attachment you can have. We have anxious avoidant or an insecure attachment style. We have dismissive, but also some people call it preoccupied, but it's the, it's, it's the same thing. And then we have disorganized, which is a combination of the anxious avoidant and the anxious preoccupied so it's kind of a mix of both of those so it's definitely an attachment style that will present a lot of turmoil in future relationships so I have some things written down if you see me looking down it's because I'm looking at my notes because I didn't want to forget anything you guys deserve all the information a secure attachment style like I said is probably the most healthy one you can have it's the one that is it's low on avoidance it's low on anxiety so within your relationship you don't avoid discussing issues in the relationship you feel very comfortable going to your partner they feel comfortable coming to you you feel comfortable with them coming to you you don't get anxious of them 
going outside of the relationship or of them doing anything to be untrustworthy you're perfectly fine with intimacy so at the beginning of the relationship if they're showing affection and love and like talking about their emotions you're okay with that you don't shy away from it you don't feel like it makes you feel uncomfortable um and you're okay with showing it to them as well you feel confident in your emotions and the way you feel so you may feel like you really like somebody and you don't mind like talking to them about it you don't mind having an open dialogue about it instead of keeping it to yourself and maybe feeling anxious about discussing it with them you're like I said earlier you're not anxious about them going out and doing something that can make them untrustworthy you're not worried about rejection Um, And this isn't necessarily like, oh, you're not worried about rejection because you know the person isn't going to reject you. It's more so you're not worried about rejection because if they leave the relationship, you know it's not because they're rejecting you. It's just because the relationship isn't working. So like, like the name, secure, you're securing yourself enough to know that, okay, if you guys break up, if you stop talking, if you stop hooking up, if if you're in a relationship and you like they leave you unless obviously like you did an act that directly caused the breakup you are comfortable in yourself to know like okay this isn't them rejecting me this is just how the relationship panned out and of course it can be upsetting it can be hurtful but down the line you're securing yourself you don't really feel like it was directly you who caused the problem you don't feel concerned about any type of abandonment so you're not in the relationship like oh I have to be this certain way I have to make sure to cling to them a certain amount to make sure they don't leave me but at the same time you're not afraid to be near them you're not afraid to show them that affection because you know you're not going to scare them away you're not afraid of scaring them away by getting too close to them in a secure attachment style basically the way it seems in an adult relationship is very similar to how it was as you were a child. So there's actually this girl on Instagram who has a great, great Instagram, um, all things mental health. She's actually a trauma therapist. Her name is Joanna Philidor, Philidor, something like that. Anyway, it's really convenient because today I'm filming the episode and yesterday she just made a post about the different attachment styles and I was like this is perfect so I felt like I felt like talking about it just like happened at the right time and I really liked her examples of how what childhood actions cause your adult reactions so she says for a secure attachment that the child uses the caregiver as a secure base. So the caregiver, the parent, the guardian is attuned and responds appropriately, promptly, and consistently to the child's needs. So this develops trust and safety. So an example of this could be, and there was actually a study on this that I don't recall exactly, so I don't want to say what the study is or exactly the methods used and what the experiment was, but I kind of remember the gist of it for this example so it's like think of it as like in a secure attachment style your parent is an anchor and is the home base and they they're an anchor they're there they're in the ground they're not going anywhere they make you feel comfortable enough to explore your surroundings to explore what's around you they make you feel comfortable enough 
to leave because you have comfort in the fact that you know you can always come back to them because they're the anchor, they're there. So you can explore your surroundings. They give you the freedom to go explore, to see what's out there in the world. And then when you come back to them, there's that same love and affection and adoration that you would want from your caregiver. So this, then in an adult relationship would transition into the same thing. And there would be like, a close a closeness and an affection with your partner because you grew up with that and you feel comfortable with giving somebody that and receiving that because that's exactly what you gave and received as a child since you grew up and ended up trusting your caregiver you knew that they were there for you no matter what you can feel a similar way about your partner that even if they're like all right babe I'm going out to the club I'm going to the bar I'm going out to hang out with my friends you're very confident and comfortable having your own freedom and your own independence and your autonomy when they go out and do their own thing because you're not afraid that they're going to abandon you or you feel like you can trust them because you've learned that okay even if you separate from your anchor ultimately you guys will come together and they will show you that same affection that you like to have now this changes a little bit when we get into the anxious avoidant So anxious avoidant is more so definitely high in anxiety, like is in the name. A lot of these, like, if you really think about it, once you understand what it is, it's like, oh, it's in the name. Makes sense. It's very much in the name. So these people are grew up in an environment that made them anxious to have some sort of attachment or some sort of intimacy. So then when they're in a relationship, they display the same characteristics so they tend to crave closeness but not necessarily like oh I love my partner he went out for a couple hours I didn't see him this weekend like I can't wait to see him again and be near him not in that typical like healthy way but it's more so like you you crave closeness to the point of maybe almost suffocating the other person because you feel like if you let them have some sort of freedom that that something's going to go wrong in the relationship even though nothing would go wrong you tend to be insecure about the relationship which is why you cling to them so closely because you just don't you don't want your insecurities to be proven right so you rather just like stick by them like the secure attachment if they're presented with the opportunity to go out this may make you feel uncomfortable. This may cause you to have arguments with your partner because you don't want them going out because you want them to be with you. Or if they do go out, this would make you very, like, this would make you very jealous. This would make you feel very insecure and make you assume that they're doing something that maybe they're not just because now that anxiety is can be kind of overwhelming. So a, like a typical thought pattern of somebody who is, anxious tends to be I often worry that my partner doesn't love or value me and will abandon me so they feel like no matter how much affection they're showing their partner their partner doesn't care about them in return or maybe they know their partner cares about them but it's always like in the back of their mind they're like well I know I love you more like how can I make you love me more how can I make you love me as much as I love you and it's like that person may love you a lot, but they're just an independent, free person who likes their autonomy and doesn't need to be showing 
affection all the time, like to feel the love, you know? And somebody who is anxious, I think would definitely have a um, physical touch love language that we'll talk about in another episode. Maybe we'll touch on it a little bit in this one, but love languages have to do a little bit. So I think the love language of the person with the anxious attachment does have something to do with their physical touch and maybe the person they're with just isn't, doesn't need the physical touch to know that their partner loves them. That could make them feel even more anxious and even more insecure in the relationship. Oh, sorry. For anybody who doesn't know, and I'm sure everybody knows this, but love languages are basically what you like what occurs in a relationship that makes you feel loved um there's five of them so there's physical touch there is words of affirmation there's acts of service there is i think giving gifts or something um and then there's quality time so physical touch is like you like to express your love by kissing your partner, hugging your partner, cuddling with them, essentially like physically touching them. And you like that in return. So if you were in a relationship with somebody who maybe loves you dearly, but just isn't a physical person and doesn't want to be cuddling all day long or like kisses here and there throughout the day, but not too frequently, no matter how much they love you, you would start to feel like they don't care about you just because you feel like you need that physical touch to feel loved by somebody. And then quality time is like you enjoy spending quality time with them. So you could be with somebody who cares about you, who's giving you, who's showering you with love all the time and hugs and kisses, but doesn't spend quality time. As soon as they come home, they give you a ton of kisses and hugs, but then they go off and do their own thing. That could make you feel like you're deprived of the love you deserve. Acts of service is acts of it's acts of service so if you're an acts of service person then your partner doing things for you shows you they care about you and by doing things for you I don't mean like like catering to your every need and want but it's like okay maybe if you had a rough week and you know your girlfriend would really appreciate you to like run her a bath and like light some candles for her and these are all things that I would like which is why I'm like saying them but whatever it is that you would like right um run a bath have some like bubbly suds in there light some candles have some champagne there sorry ew not why would you have champagne in the bath have a glass of wine maybe some moscato prosecco whatever it is because you know when she walks through the door on friday that she's super stressed out from her all week and she would really appreciate that that act of service as soon as she saw that she would be like wow like he really loves me he knows i had a rough week and he's doing this to make me feel better and make me feel special and make me feel heard and all of these in a relationship i think should intermingle like there should never be a time that you're only doing like the whole relationship you shouldn't only be doing one love language I think all of them coming together is really important to making the relationship strong and like making your partner feel cared about and loved and vice versa but like for example I definitely think my love language is physical touch so if 
I don't know if my boyfriend and I went a whole week without like seeing each other at all and touching each other despite living together like we just happened to not do it because we were both stressed out with whatever we had going on I feel like him and I would both feel like there was some kind of neglect there even though there isn't maybe we were both super like stressed out with work but we would be like damn like is work is the work stress like slipping into our personal life and like probably not but I feel like some people have their main two or main three love languages and the other ones are nice like yes if I came home and he drew me a bath and had rose petals or whatever the fuck I would appreciate it but he has never done that in our whole relationship and I don't necessarily need that to know that he cares about me um but that's acts of service gift giving is like receiving gifts so if you're somebody who feels the love by somebody bringing you gifts often so it could be like if you like flowers they could be bringing you flowers if you like if they know you like crazy different like socks or you like scrunchies or like whatever it is it could be little gifts but receiving them makes you feel loved then you'd be like a gift receiving then you would have the gift receiving love language you could also have the gift giving love language where you show love by giving gifts to your person and again all of these are interchangeable in terms of you your love language is xyz and maybe the way you show love is exactly your love language as well but maybe the way you show love is if my love language is physical touch and i want physical touch from my partner but my the love language that i show is words of affirmation so after i receive all the physical touch that i need i'm praising my partner and giving them words of affirmation to feel loved verbally and then the last one what did i say gift giving physical touch quality time i can't remember anyway i just said it a couple minutes ago i can't remember but it's in the name and also you can look them up so that there's like there's descriptions out there you can figure out exactly what you are how did we get here i'm talking about attachment styles how did we get here anyway oh because we were talking about the anxious and how it has to do with love languages a little bit okay i see how we got here but like we shouldn't have gone down this rabbit hole back to what i was saying that the anxious attachment may have different love languages but if they're not receiving like whatever they're receiving from their partner will never make them feel like it's enough or up to par with what they're giving because they're anxious in the relationship and are in constant worry that their partner's going to abandon them and this doesn't have to be like a crippling worry in some cases it may be that in many relationships you're you're like oh like in the back of your mind you may even say it to your partner or say it to your friends like oh this person's gonna leave me but it could also be in subtle ways so that insecurity can show in when they go out to a party that you feel uncomfortable that while they're home with you and while you guys are hanging out the relationship is great but as soon as they step outside of the house without you then you start to feel some sort of angst and you may not know why you may be like oh i can't trust them like that's why like i just have a gut feeling i can't trust them and that may very well be true like gut feelings are so real but if it's every relationship you're in and 
it tends to interfere in the relationship. So now you're trying to keep your partner from seeing their friends and going out and stuff like that. You may be an anxious attachment style and it may be something to look into and look inwardly in yourself to see how you can improve. So the so the anxious attachment style as a child, it's basically so what this girl on that I found on Instagram said that I mentioned earlier, her example is the child is unable to use the caregiver as, as a secure base and demonstrates cro- contradictory behaviors when the caregiver leaves and returns. The, tri- the child is preoccupied and anxious with caregiver's availability to be present, but is angry when the caregiver is there. The caregiver is neglectful with their responses and is inconsistent, leading the child to not know when their needs will be met. I guess an example that I could give is like with the secure attachment where I said that the parent is the base and the anchor in the anxious or the anxious ambivalent. It's like the parent isn't an anchor there anymore. So the child goes out and is free, but then returns and wants that affection and that comfort and that love and doesn't receive that from the parent. And since they don't receive it, they tend to feel like, well, I'm not receiving this like affection that I want. And from time to time, I get it, like, but not necessarily when I need it. So when they grow up, they tend to seek it in relationships. So they're, I guess you could chalk it up to their parents didn't show them the love that they desired. So now they seek it in a relationship in the future because it's like, okay, my parent didn't give it to me. Maybe there's something I did wrong. Maybe it was the way I was. So that's why in relationships down the line, they fear that abandonment because they're like, okay, my parent wasn't there for me the way I needed. Maybe my partner won't be there for me the way I need. Maybe there's something wrong with me. I'm afraid they're going to leave me if I don't stick close by. And all of these attachment styles that I'm going to mention don't lock you into a cycle of relationships forever. Everything is everything is malleable. Everything is moldable, especially in in like psych especially if you go to therapy some things take a lot of time so certain traumas certain mental illnesses it won't be a day and night thing it could take years it could take a lifetime where you're not cured or fixed but what you have has been managed and is now you've learned to maybe manage whatever it is that you have but in terms of these attachment styles the way you grew up does affect the way you show love in the future but there's a lot of time between childhood and when you start dating people so of course that's going to have a little bit to do so if as like a toddler to like a young child your parent was showing one type of attachment style but then I don't know, maybe you went and moved in with another parent and they taught you a different one, they can kind of like mash together or you can tend to reflect one attachment style more than the other in your adult relationship. So if I'm saying things about like examples about the childhood in regards to a specific attachment style and you're like, huh, like I had that, 
I had a childhood similar to that, but I don't think those characteristics have anything to do with how I show and accept love now as an adult. Or if I'm giving examples and you're like, okay, like I don't think I had a childhood like that, but I'm showing those characteristics now as an adult. There are things that can happen in between that can cause you to be that way. But again, like exploring it, doing some research on your own. If you hear one that you think kind of rings some bells, maybe look into it, see more examples about like childhood examples, examples about how it manifests as an adult, because you may be able to pinpoint which one you are and then be able to address any toxic traits you have or any faults you have in relationships now or in your relationship with your parent due to how they raised you as a child and then it may be beneficial like you may look at your relationship now and realize that you were in an anxious attachment and then that can spark a discussion with your parent who can be like I understand like the reason I wasn't your your anchor was because I was working a lot, because you had other siblings for me to take care of. So it can make you feel, it can make, it can give you a, a deeper understanding of why, and it may benefit you down the line because you got some sort of closure based off of it. So the third one is anxious avoidant, which, and like, like I said, some of these have different names. So if you search the four attachment styles, They may have different names than I'm saying, may have different examples. Ultimately, once you read multiple different, like different studies about them, you will see that the different names don't change what each attachment style means. So like secure tends to be the standard term for the secure attachment, but then there can be anxious ambivalent. There can be anxious preoccupied as like, one couple like different words some things I've seen in books say only ambivalent some things say only preoccupied and leave out the anxious part and then same thing goes for anxious avoidant um there can be anxious avoidant or anxious what is it anxious avoidant and anxious I said it earlier in the video I don't understand why my mind is like forgetting things but that too if you look it up you'll see There's like different names for it, but ultimately the characteristics are the same. Anxious avoidant tends to be high on avoidance and high on anxiety. So now we have the anxiety and the avoidance together. So they tend to be uncomfortable with intimacy and they're concerned about their partner's commitment to love, similarly to the anxious attachment style. Um, But at the same time, although they're concerned about their partner's commitment to love, their display for that isn't like, I must cling to them. It's more so they're anxious about their partner's commitment. So they avoid them to, or, or they avoid getting close. Like, it's not like they avoid them and they like run and hide from them, but they avoid getting too close because I think it tends to be they're avoiding some sort of rejection if if they get too close to the person. So somebody with this may think I'm uncomfortable getting close to others, but find it difficult to trust and depend on them. I worry I will get hurt if I get too close to my partner. So this tends to occur if 
back to the anchor example, if if the parent who was the anchor in the relationship or in like the parent-child relationship as a child was not as present as the child needed, but then when they were present, they taught the child that being emotional or expressing how you feel can make you just or sorry expressing how you feel will not give you the result that you're looking for so perhaps as a child they would you know cry on the floor like because they miss their parent when their parent walks in from work because they didn't see them all day they're crying and upset because they miss them so much and the parent will ignore them and not show them any type of reaction to their emotions this child then learns down the line when they're in an intimate relationship in the future that expressing my emotions doesn't cause a response from those who care about me so I'm not going to express my emotions at all and a lot of these attachment styles like I don't want my examples to make anybody feel like well like is she shitting on certain parents absolutely not because back to a working parent example if the parent was working all day maybe there's multiple siblings the parent works multiple jobs, so by the time they get home, it's quite late. They may genuinely not have the emotional capacity to deal with a crying toddler right now or an upset child because they have to go make dinner or they have to go care for the other children or they have to go change and get ready for another job. So they could be very... The parents that cause these attachment styles that aren't secure could be doing very noble and honorable things for their family but still causing these negative attachment styles down the line which is why I think if you hear an example or an attachment style that you think is you and you think it could benefit your relationship with your parent to discuss it this could be a great thing to talk about because then maybe they can you know give you some closure on why you were treated a certain way as a kid and instead of you thinking you they were neglecting you it was just that they could only stretch so far and like they just couldn't stretch any further than that. So the example that she has on here is that the child is not emotional and shows little to no distress when the caregiver leaves and no response when they return. The caregiver does not respond to the child when the child is distressed, therefore teaching the child that the caregiver is not available for comfort. The caregiver also discourages crying and encourages independence. So this is why in the future as an adult, in a relationship, if you're upset with your partner, you may be like, I just don't want to talk about it. Like, I'll deal with it on my own, which is great. That's a very independent thing to do. But at the same time, that's not resolving the issue. That's kind of like keeping it to yourself. And like, that is going to harbor resentment at the end of the day. But also the people who don't communicate their their emotions may not be be able to communicate them effectively because they never grew up doing that and they actually learned from their parents hey doing that causes a punishment or doing that doesn't reward you with any type of response or any type of acknowledgement so you're better off not doing that so now they're in a relationship and they may want to communicate certain things with their partner but they just don't know how and doing so makes them feel very uncomfortable or doing so seems like the wrong thing to do it's like oh something's wrong I don't think we should even talk about this because like why would we talk about our emotions and feelings like who does that you know because they grew up not doing it they may think it's like strange to do so so some characteristics for the avoidant 
is that they're emotionally distant and rejecting in intimate relationships. So they tend to keep their partner at an arm's length. Their partner always wants more closeness, but since they want more closeness, it causes the avoidant person to detach even further because they tend to think that having feelings or having this closeness causes a loss of independence. So they prefer being autonomous versus versus having that togetherness, which the autonomy is good. Like in a secure relationship, there is autonomy there, but there is a healthy mix of both of them. So there's a closeness with your partner and an intimacy and a togetherness, but there are also instances of independence and that's what makes it secure and healthy because it's a, it's a like a sweet spot balance of both. Whereas avoidant, they want their independence. They want to keep their independence. They don't want to attach too much. So they kind of push their partner away and they may love their partner a lot, but it tends to be that they they still don't want to get too close. So no matter how much they love them, they will never fully let their guard down and fully let their wall down. So their partner will always be like chasing to break down the, this wall that they will never be able to break down. And the avoidant partner will const- constantly be running away from the partner who's trying to break down their walls. And actually in some instances, anxious attachments and avoidant attachments tend to get together very often so and of course with like all the people out there in the world like how can they not but in terms of a long-term relationship these people tend to find each other and stick together because those who are anxious have this avoidant partner that is keeping that in keeping them at at an arm's length so the anxious attachment person is like trying to cling to them and hold on to them and the avoidant person is running away and it causes this cycle of like the avoidant is running and the anxious is chasing and they just these people tend to find themselves in relationships together that just never work like these are the types of people that will either have a very toxic relationship have a maybe if it's not toxic outright like the partner's doing something wrong both both parties seem to be not completely happy in the relationship because the one who's avoidant is like, oh, they're too clingy. I can't deal with it. It's too much. Like, I don't know how much longer I'm going to last. But deep down, they care about the person, but they want to maintain their independence and not get too close to them. So they stay in the relationship, but they're not giving the anxious attachment person exactly what they need. And the anxious attachment person is like, okay, I love them so much. And like, you know, like, I know they love me too. They just don't, they're not showing me the affection right now. Like, I'm sure they'll change. They'll change. It's fine. And it's like, they're not going to change. So they just go in this like cat and mouse chase game that doesn't really have a positive ending unless both of them end up going and seeking therapy or one day spur like on a blue moon, they blue moon. Where did that come from? That's a beer. Okay, on a like on a full moon or is it a blue moon when something's like strange? Um, I don't know. Let's go with it. So, on a blue moon, on a orange moon, on a red moon, whatever. 
um, they end up discussing their emotions and their feelings, then maybe there is some sort of breakthrough, but this isn't something that would happen right away. So if you tend to find yourself in toxic relationships where you're always chasing the person you're with, like you feel like, okay, no matter who I'm with, like they never love me the way I love them. They never show me the same affection and intimacy that I show them. They don't care about me the way I care about them. What is it about me that I'm doing wrong? Like nobody loves me the way I love them. You may be an anxious attachment person where you're always going to feel that way unless you look inside and you feel like, and you understand that you're an anxious attachment person. So you can recognize that you can reflect on that. You can think about that a little bit. You can grow on your own outside of a relationship so that the next time you come into a relationship, you can acknowledge, okay, I know I'm an anxious attachment person. They tell me they love me. They show me they love me. Even though in the back of my mind, I'm concerned they're going to abandon me. And I think they don't love me as much as I love them. They're giving me all the signs that they do love me. So I'm just going to trust them. I'm going to put my trust in them. I'm going to believe in them that this is going to work out. And same goes for the avoidant. If you tend to feel like you get in relationships with people and you're like, yeah, but like, I don't really care about any of them. Like, I just like being on my own and that's really okay. But if you're finding that you're always like hitting these walls constantly and you do truly want a relationship that's going to work, but you feel like, oh, I'm in these relationships with people who are just, they're all too clingy. Like, I like my independence. I need somebody who's like that too. You may be, you may be in avoidant attachment and again looking into that is good because then the next relationship you're in you can acknowledge like okay they're showing me love and affection and like yes it makes me feel uncomfortable but just because they love me and just because I'm showing them intimacy in return doesn't make me any less independent doesn't mean that I'm weak there's no need to be avoiding these feelings because if at any point I do feel like the relationship isn't working I can just walk away with all of these you can still always walk away from a relationship if it's not working out for you so those are things to remember no matter what attachment style you are if you're going into a relationship and you're in it for a certain period of time and you've you know you've acknowledged what faults you have in relationships but you also acknowledge what pros you have in relationships and you try to overcome those faults and it's not working, you can always, you know, you can always end the relationship, grow on your own for a little longer and then revisit either the same relationship or a new relationship with different eyes, you know? But finally is the anxious and avoidant. So this one is also known as Dis, a disorganized attachment pattern. So this is the anxious attachment style and the avoidant attachment style coming together for a full-blown, messy, messy mess of an attachment style. And I call it a mess, not to be insulting, but it is called disorganized because the people who tend to have this attachment style have a very disorganized love or relationship patterns. So the way the avoidant attachment style was high on avoidance, the way the anxious attachment style was high on anxiety, but the thing that both of those had was the avoidance attachment style would avoid and was high in avoidance but low in anxiety. They were never anxious that their partner was going to leave them because they were always the one running away from the relationship and their, and their partners 
would tend to cling to them. So there was never a concern of like, oh, they're going to leave me. So they were always like the mouse running away and their partner was the cat. And then in the in the anxious attachment, they had a high anxiety that the partner was going to leave them, that they were going to be abandoned, but they were low in avoidance because they definitely were not avoiding their partner whatsoever. They were clinging to them. They were showing them, you know, boatloads of love and affection. So in that instance, in the cat and mouse game, they were the cat always chasing the person that they're in a relationship with. So those that are that have a disorganized attachment pattern, these people are high in avoidance and high in anxiety, which is why it's a messy mess because both of those attachment styles come together to then cause the person to be uncomfortable with intimacy, the way like they're uncomfortable with intimacy, the way an avoidant attachment style is, but they're also concerned about their partner's love for them. So they're concerned, like they don't want to show intimacy, but they also want their partner to make sure they're showing them intimacy. It's very, it's very messy. So those with a disorganized attachment, perhaps in childhood, the example that she has is the child has a complicated experience with the caregiver as the caregiver is a source of danger. So these the people with this attachment style usually have been in a household that had some sort of abuse either they experienced abuse firsthand or they witnessed abuse within their household maybe their parent abused them maybe their parent abused their sibling maybe their parent abused themselves and was some sort of like had some sort of substance addiction but the child will attempt to move toward the caregiver, but will also move away. They may freeze or go into a corner. The caregiver may engage in physical or sexual abuse towards the child, or they may abuse substances or have psychological disturbances. So this attachment style tends to stem from some sort of trauma in childhood, which is why it causes this disorganization this messiness in the attachment style in adulthood because their parent taught them that expressing emotions isn't gonna have any type of response but at the same time you're not gonna receive the love and affection that you need which causes the child to be anxious to you know get that affection but they also avoid showing their emotions at the same time so some characteristics is they can't tolerate emotional closeness in relationships so they tend to be quite argumentative in relationships so if you're in a relationship with somebody who's like this um again the same example of going out to a party or something like that or going out to a bar instead of the partner wanting to cling to you or instead of the partner you know like keeping you at an arm's length this attachment style will keep you at an arm's length when you're getting too close but as soon as the partner will start to pull away they will cling to them because it's like I don't want you too close but I also don't want you to abandon me and it's like these really tend to cause toxic relationships because it's one person making their partner feel like whatever they're doing isn't right if the partner's you know like too affectionate too intimate it's like okay you're moving too fast I'm not ready for this but then when they start to slow things down 
it's like okay why don't you love me like you're gonna leave me you're gonna abandon me and I actually when I learned about this I started thinking back on previous relationships of my own and I realized that a relationship that I was in was quite similar I think I actually talked about it like very briefly in in the first episode um I got in a relationship with somebody who was moving very fast like very like within like a couple weeks of talking they already wanted to date they were clinging hard hardcore like they just I don't know like they were showing this infatuation that at the time I was like okay very flattering but at the at the same time like this isn't moving at a normal pace for me but then like a few months later when I felt like I was getting to a point that they had been at for months already too much for them they all of a sudden like switched it around and was like okay this is too much affection like where is this all coming from and I'm like you were you showed me this affection two weeks into talking you've been showing it to me for the last two months and then now that I'm expressing it back because I'm like huh like I'm ready I can express it back it's too much and I realized it after the fact so I couldn't really talk to them about what you know, what experiences they had been through to try to work through this for the relationship. But it really, it really opened my eyes and it taught me a lot. And it made me realize that as we continue to date and as we continue to be with different people and the relationships that we're in, as they continue to get like, you know, more serious, maybe they get longer. So before where you were dating people for like a couple months or a couple years, or maybe you've never been in a relationship at all and then now your relationships are getting serious you guys are talking about your future together maybe you move in together I think it's really important to understand what type of attachment style you have as well as what type of attachment style your partner has because you guys can help each other out if you're noticing certain characteristics in them that ring any bells with specific attachment styles and it's causing you know like turmoil in the relationship it would be nice to you don't have to straight up ask them like what attachment style are you like there's something wrong in our relationship it has to be that because that could very well not be the case but if you think it's that you could always just like you know like poke and prod a little bit ask them about like their childhood experiences try to get like hints from them about which one they are and you don't have to make them feel uncomfortable by telling them like, oh, you're you're the disorganized attachment style. Like, ter- like that's terrible. No, that's going to make them feel more uncomfortable. But to know that can help you, you know, move forward in the relationship and continue to grow the relationship. Now having that information in your head. And same goes for your partner. If you know what type of attachment style you are, And in the past, it has caused problems in your relationship. Maybe letting them know early on, like, hey, I have trouble getting too close to people. I don't really trust people. I keep people at an arm's length. I apologize if I do that to you. I just need some time because I'm still working through this. That can avoid a lot of, you know, like issues in the beginning of a relationship where somebody may feel like you don't care about them when in reality you do. You're just not showing it to them the way they want to see it so communicating about it can improve the relationship overall it can you know it can like help the relationship grow into something more than it would have been if both parties just kept this a secret and didn't mention it at all and then now it's like 
okay, we've been dating for months. Like, you don't show me any type of affection. What the fuck is up with that? And they're an avoidant attachment person. They weren't going to show you affection, especially not right away. It was going to take them a while. And for those who are anxious, it's like, whoa, you're too clingy. I can't do this. Like, I'm not ready for this in a relationship so soon. That's good to know because then those with an anxious attachment, you can really reassure them that you care about them, that like this relationship means a lot to you. You can continue to tell them like how much you love them. You can show them love and affection, but you can also teach them to give you that space you need from time to time. And you can teach them to give you like your independence and for also for them to take their own independence and that it's okay for you guys to be separate from each other for a little bit of time because that's not gonna affect how you guys care about each other in the relationship. So ultimately, although your attachment style in your adult relationships is based off of what attachment style you grew up experiencing this isn't set in stone so if you start to realize you're a certain attachment style and it's causing toxicity in your relationships there is still time to grow and there's there's time to you know reflect on it think about it kind of like sit there with yourself and understand okay this is the way I am this is the way I've been in past relationships this is what what I could have done differently this is where I went wrong let's try to fix this in the future and it can really help avoid those toxic patterns and those unhealthy patterns in relationships that you know leave you wondering after each relationship like why does this always happen to me maybe you have to look into yourself Because if you've been in multiple relationships and all of them have had the same patterns and have had the same, you know, like issues, it very well may be you and you may be causing it in a way that you're not even realizing because you're like, no, I just love my partner. Like, I'm not doing anything wrong, but the clinginess is causing the issues and you're not even realizing or the avoidance is causing the issues because the partner you're with doesn't feel the actual love and affection you feel for them because you're, you know, you're avoiding showing them. So I think our 20s, especially our early 20s, is a great time to explore this. If you're hearing these and you have no idea what you are and you're like, okay, none of these have anything to do with me, maybe look it up. Maybe the examples that I gave don't fit you specifically, but there may be examples out there that make you realize like, okay, I am this certain attachment style. Maybe the examples I gave just like, you know, were didn't fit your childhood experiences, but there are variations and differences to those childhood experiences that ultimately may cause the same type of attachment styles. So with that said, I'm going to wrap up today's video right there or sorry, not today's video, today's episode and video for those who are watching. Thank you so much for listening in. If you have any questions, if you feel like the way I explained this wasn't, you know, wasn't informational enough, you can head over to the Taking On Your 20s Instagram. I will be posting descriptions of the attachment styles, how they appear in your childhood, how they appear in your adult relationships so maybe you know maybe me like now writing them down after the fact I can be more descriptive than I was just talking about it so yeah I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next week 